Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Magnolia Beef and Seminary has top quality beef products that are raised right here in Mississippi. They also have fantastic gifts for every age. For the best beef in Mississippi and so much more, visit Magnolia Beef and Seminary or find us on Facebook. Celebrating the amazing people of coastal Mississippi and across this great state who are working hard to make this a great place to live, work, and play. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk 103.1. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show, the show that celebrates the men and women who are working so hard to make this place such a great place to live work and play. Hey, listen, I had this terrific conversation last week with, uh, or actually earlier this week, with with uh, Morgan Bogolin, who is a uh, One Coast Award winner and someone who's you know, just dedicated so much of her energy to working in the community. And uh, it was great, great, great talking to her about that. She actually wrote a piece for uh, Coach Young Professionals and this partnership that Coach Young Professionals has with Super Talk Mississippi News. Uh, she made the third sort of installment in this ongoing relationship, um, you know, having to do with leadership and mentorship. And it was terrifically well written. And we talked about that. We also talked about her seven year old daughter who's just a, uh, a wonderful kid, and it's, you know, I think you can tell a lot about people by looking at how their kids are doing. So, Morgan, it was very impressive conversation. But Morgan, in her real world, uh, spends uh, you know the majority of her time working at the Boys and Girls Club in Biloxi. And uh, man, the Boys and Girls Club across coast of Mississippi contributes to this community in so many important ways. And there's a there's a, um, a futures gala coming up on August the fourth that we're going to be talking more about here shortly. In fact, I'm going to start the show today with our with uh, uh, Crosby Parker, and he and I are going to he and I are going to catch up. He's the district attorney, and then uh, and then Kevin Felcher, actually representative for here in Coastal Mississippi, is going to join me as well. Kevin and I have had terrific conversations in the past about his uh, commitment to the community, and uh, it's just you know he really does put his energy where his mouth is, and we're going to we're going to chat a bit about uh, their passion for the Boys and Girls Club, and we'll come to that at some point during the conversation. But without any further ado, let me move over to uh, District Attorney uh, Crosby Parker. And first of all, I just say good morning. How you doing, my friend? Good morning, Ricky. It's nice to be on. Thank you for having me. Hey, look, you and I had a had a great conversation the last time we visited, and we actually ended the conversation saying that we get need to get together more often. So I'll say that again. We need to get together more often because you live in a dynamic world. You're involved in so many different things. But um, and we'll we'll kind of dabble with into what's going on in your world these days. I have actually a, a specific thing that I want to chat about at the very beginning. But uh, before we go any further, why don't you give people a sense of the ge- geography you had to say grace over and essentially what you do in the in your DA's role. Absolutely. Uh, Ricky, as you know, I'm the district attorney for Harrison, Hancock, and Stone County. That means for those three counties, we handle all the felony cases that are indicted. So we handle approximately 3,500 felony cases, which is the busiest circuit court district in the state of Mississippi. Um, so we do a lot in those three counties. We have offices in Gulfport, Biloxi, Bay St. Louis, and then up in Wiggins. And as part of my office, we, we have right around 35 employees and 15 
assistant district attorneys, which is what I was before I became the district attorney. You know, um, there's a lot of talk in the world today. Not some of it, not so good, and we'll get into why that might be. I don't, I don't quite get it. I got my own point of view about it that I'll share here shortly. But about human trafficking, you know, if you th- if you think about the movie that's out there now, how anyone could leave the conversation and say, you know, whether it's fiction or not, you know, and say having a discussion about human trafficking in America and the world. Why that's not just an amazingly important thing. I mean, what's your view on the 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 sort of cloud around that movie? Well, and I've seen the movie. I think it's a great movie because it educates the population. One of the biggest things we need to be able to do is if you see something, you need to say something. You need to be able to make sure that you can recognize that these things can happen anywhere. It's not just in the big cities. It can be here on coastal Mississippi. It can be you know, coming in down to the beach, and we've seen those cases. And human trafficking can be defined very broadly. And I think anybody who wants to turn a blind eye to it is is not being intellectually honest. And what I like about that movie is that it's educating people all the time that if something doesn't look right, you may need to ask the question, or better yet, let somebody else know about it. Yeah. You know, in conversations with you and with uh, Attorney General Lynn Fitch, with uh, members of, of the community who are working so hard to to deal with women who, and men for that matter, who have challenges. You know, we, we, you said, you know, human trafficking takes on so many different roles. Um, what most people don't realize is that some of the most significant actually could be in your own neighborhood with someone trafficking a young child, for example. And I mean, the thought that that actually would happen in, in a neighborhood in coastal Mississippi, but it's true, they do. And the f- and reality is that there's actually a market for that. You know, I did a, I did a search. I want to share something with you. I, I actually, what I'm going to do in a second is share some of the headlines coming from this movie. But before I do that, I just did a search. And um, the, the search was human trafficking. And here are some headlines that pop up. Um, this is one day ago, 62 arrested in Europol, Interpol human trafficking crackdown. Uh, Bozeman police arrest 18 people for allegedly pet patronizing a prostitute. AP, Indonesia uh, police crackdown on tra- uh, traffickers who were sent. I got to get to make sure I got to click on this to get the rest of the uh, headline. Uh, sent uh, 122 people to sell their kidneys in Cambodia. Um, I mean, listen, the headlines go on from there. But um, it, you, like you said, it takes on different forms. But there, the, but whatever, for whatever reason, the liberal media, and I, I, I don't, when I say liberal media, I don't necessarily mean that to be a political thing. It's just the liberal media want to say that this is um, uh, sort of a conspiracy theorist you know, w- wonderful day inside this m- movie, and they're working so hard to discredit it. I don't understand that. Do, have you come to grips with that yourself? No, I, I find it very confusing because what what I always see with human trafficking is there's there's some cynicism at first because they're like, how did this individual get put in this position? They must be willing participants. But the truth is, and, and you've seen it, There are so many people out there who are in vulnerable situations that will do anything to survive. And then there are people who will take advantage of that 
you know, as, as you can see all across the world, this is a business for some people, for these criminals. And what, what people I think don't understand is when you're in a vulnerable situation, because I've dealt with cases that deal with runaways from other states, that when they are taken in, they'll do anything to just survive. And then what becomes, it becomes normal to them, this kind of abuse and this kind of trafficking. But I, I don't understand with this movie why there's anybody on the other side. It's just, it's, it's clear. Yeah, I know. Look, uh, Sacramento Bee, I just did a search on human trafficking movie <laughs> and then just see the, some of the headlines that came up. Uh, one is the Sacramento Bee, which is actually a sister newspaper to the Sun-Herald. They're part of the McClatchy chain. Headline, meet the movie that's dividing us. Is Sound of Freedom a masterpiece or a mess? Uh, I just, that's, that's pretty interesting, the way that it, it said that. Some of the other, let me get over, back over here. It's uh, uh, Dallas Morning News. Sound of Freedom is a good conversation starter, but there's more to say. It always is a but. Um, Salon. It's Uncle Tom's Cabin, but, Q, but for QAnon. Film spreading child trafficking hysteria. Uh, NPR. QAnon. NPR now. NPR. QAnon supporters are promoting Sound of Freedom. <sighs> I wish we'd work less to, I mean, they should, why can't they see the good in telling a story that brings attention to something that is real and that needs to be focused on? Can you ever be too vigilant against human trafficking? That's what, that, that's my thing is there are certain things where you have to be vigilant for it. Because even one is too many. So uh, are there other places that may have a, uh, a bigger problem? But I, I stress even one is a problem. And we want to make sure that we as a community are constantly vigilant of what goes on. And let's not be naive about it. Yeah, we can't, we can't be naive about it. If it weren't real, the state of Mississippi would not have taken incredible measures over the last few years to strengthen its human trafficking laws and its efforts to support young people, kids, and, and women and men who find themselves in a scenario that they need help and guidance and, you know, all of that. It's... Um, it's extremely troubling that we're that the world is so divided that we that we politicize something like a movie like this. It's really unfortunate. Um, you know, look, man, you you've got a lot on your plate these days. Um, what you know, what's like when you got it today? What was the most like pressing issue you had on your mind today? Well, we're, our, our office on Mondays is usually pretty busy. We've got four courtrooms running where over hundreds of cases are going to be processed that day. Hey, Crosby, let's do this. I didn't realize we were at the end of the segment. We'll pick it up with uh, District Attorney Crosby uh, here in just a minute uh, when we come, excuse me, uh, Crosby Parker. Uh, started to say Palmer because I was thinking about the Palmer house and, and it just, it almost came in there. But anyway, Crosby Parker, we'll continue the conversation on the other side. Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of The Ricky Matthews Show on your laptop, desktop, or your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. 
His passion and love for coastal Mississippi is why he's here. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk 103.1. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show. I have Crosby Parker. I almost said Palmer going uh, into the break, but anyway, caught myself. But Palmer Home's doing incredible work, and if you're a regular listener, you know we've talked about that before. But he's a district attorney for Hancock, Harrison, and Stone County, and he has a big plate. But when we went to break, he was saying that when they, uh, you know, when they get to Mondays, they, there's a lot, there's a lot of work. How many cases did you said before before we went to break that you oh, might be there. dealing with? There were there were, there were hundreds going. So we had a courtroom running in Gulfport. Two in Gulfport, one in Biloxi, one in Stone County. And so in any given courtroom, you may have 25 that go ahead and plea. And then we've got other ones that we start trials on Tuesday. And as you can imagine, just to get to that point in any one case is not only hours and hours of police work, but also the assistant district attorneys to to get there. You know, you and I talked about this before, uh, the last time we talked about the rise in violent crime and concerns we have about that, um, how much younger people are that are involved in violent crimes. And, you know, I've, I've had so many observations and conversations with mayors, even the, the mayor, former mayor of New Orleans, Mitch Landry, about how much more violent they are. Uh, the reality is that, that a lot of the young people that are involved, they're just trying to survive. They don't even know if they're going to live through the end of the day today. And we're going to be talking about the Girls and Boys Club here in just a minute. But one of the most powerful things about what Morgan and I talked about, Bogolin from the, from, the, from the Boys and Girls Club talked about it, was that the opportunity to touch people and mentor them and hopefully provide an opportunity for them to find a path away from whatever negative influences might be in their lives um, we, we're not going to save them all, uh, Crosby, but we might save one at a time. You guys are really focused on that, aren't you? Oh, absolutely, Ricky. And that, that's what's so, how this all, my passion came from it is we kept seeing youthful offenders because if you're over the age of 13 and you commit a crime with a deadly weapon, you're going to be prosecuted as an adult. And our office is very proficient at holding them accountable. And I kept asking, but what are we doing to prevent us from getting there? Because as you mentioned, there are so many young kids that are getting their mentorship through a cell phone for people that aren't even from this country, much less from this state. And they're using deadly weapons and we have to figure out how do we, how do we give them a chance? Because to get a gun out of a 15 year old's hand is very difficult. And it's usually going to end with some type of incarceration. Yeah. Yeah. It's a uh, gosh, man. It is incredible, the influences and how much you know, the, the, the rise in violence. It's a, it's, a real, it's a real sign of our time. And, you know, I don't think as a country, as a state, we spend enough time talking about it. But, I mean, w- w- you know, where are the solutions? Often, oftentimes it has to do with the, 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 the households that the kids are being raised in, you know, um, a mother or father who are not there, or maybe a mother and father, you know, maybe they don't have a mother and father that's present in their lives and being raised by a grandmother. But, you know, absent some type of um, a person that can give them the kind of, you know, mentorship and 
teaching them right from wrong. They're going to find other ways to get it. And we're not, we're not focused enough on it. Now, the good news is you've got organizations like the Boys and Girls Club that are coming in, working extremely hard to fill that void, keeping kids busy, creating programs that give them a really, really good chance to make it. And that's got to warm your heart to know that we have opportunities to help in that way. Oh, absolutely. It, it, it's starting about two years ago. My wife is a speech therapist over at West Elementary in Gaston Point, And she kept telling me, hey, I'm afraid you're going to see this young child at some point. And we started looking around to say, well, where can we get that mentorship? Where can we get these programs to give a young child the opportunity? And I'll tell you, the Boys and Girls Club has stepped up incredibly. Uh, they've got a new, and I know Morgan talks about it, the, the impact program is partnering not only with the police departments, but with the schools and identifying those at-risk youth. Well, that I think is just, that's, that's so important. Yeah, yeah, gosh, I know it is. Um, we've, uh, you and I have had conversations in the past about habitual offenders and how that's going to be a big focus of yours. You've got a good partnership with the Gulf Coast Center for Nonviolence. I want to share both of those, and then, uh, and then once we get done with that, we'll bring Kevin Felcher into the conversation and talk a little bit more about the Boys and Girls Club and the upcoming fundraiser and whatever. But uh, we have to, we have to have a plan. We have to be focused on habitual offenders, don't we? Oh, absolutely. Because as you know, there's got to be a stair step to justice. If you, we try to give people an opportunity. Uh, we try to get people who commit nonviolent offenses the chance to get back into the community to have a job. But if they continually commit crimes, you have to recognize that and you have to treat them as a habitual offender. Otherwise, it's a public safety concern. Yeah, I hear that. And uh, again, I, I just want I, every chance I get to mention the Gulf Coast Center for Nonviolence and the incredible work that they're doing for men and women. Um, man, we're so where would we be without that that incredible organization? Oh, and Ricky, I think you recognize it all the time how important these nonprofits are because I'll tell you, like the Gulf Coast Center for Nonviolence, they allow us to be prosecutors. And that's what we need to be able to do. We need to focus on the law, the evidence, and making sure people are held accountable. The center, or the Gulf Coast Center for Nonviolence, they help with the victims and their families to make sure they have resources, which I think is invaluable to what we're able to do. Well, listen, as I mentioned, uh, Morgan Bogland did a terrific job of representing the Boys and Girls Club. It really wasn't a conversation about the Boys and Girls Club per se, because it was really recognizing Morgan as a leader and, and recently recognized as a recipient of the One Coast Award. But you can't help but in that conversation, you know, coming back time and time again to the Boys and Girls Club. Her seven-year-old daughter, for example, literally was raised there. And uh, she talks about the impact that that's had on her daughter and how far along she is actually re reading I think she's going to go into the first or second grade and we're reading at the second sixth grade level and just doing extraordinarily well but um but one of the things she mentioned is this upcoming fundraiser uh, around around for, uh, the gala for the boys and girls club and with that said let me let me cross me back to you in just a second but let's uh, bring kevin felcher into the conversation and first of all just say good morning how you doing kevin good morning ricky how are you 
I'm doing fantastic. Uh, so um, your representative in the House of Representatives, would give people a sense of your area. So basically, I represent District 117, which goes from the Bees Road in Gulfport all the way to Vets Avenue in Biloxi, upward to Cedar Lake. And that gives you a pretty good idea of where my 24,800 people are. And you know that word, you know that word exactly. Um, so uh, we're not going to speak specifically to the work that you do in the legislature. Uh, we'll save that for another day. But one of the things that was extraordinarily impressive to me the last time that you and I talked is that um, you have your own story, and that and your own story has really impacted how and. But first of all, the fact that you give back to the community in the way that you do and your and your passion for it. Give people a slight sense of where your passion comes from. Well, basically, it, it comes from two places. Uh, number one, just a feel for what it's like to be a child from a single parent household and the struggles you go through with that uh, low income, lower social economic uh, that aspect of it, and and then having a father who was incarcerated all throughout my my upbringing, uh, and then the second one is just a sheer uh, appreciation of community service and what we all need to do to have a better community. And it could be anything from picking up trash to volunteering to serve food over the holidays, whatever you can do to make your community as an individual a better place. And so that that really is what fuels me. Those two things. You know, caring about the Boys and Girls Club is a good fit for you, isn't it? It's a natural fit for me. It's quite easy, to be honest with you. Um, I, I spent my time uh, going from West Biloxi Community Center, which is that ugly brown building, tin building that still sits there by the across from the Donald Snyder Center, all the way to East Biloxi uh, Boys and Girls Club that uh, Senator Galat helped establish way back when. And but for those two things, there's no doubt in my mind the trajectory of my life would have been different. Because the you know the influence of while they may be greater today in some respects, and there may be incredible opportunities to deviate, there were chances to deviate then. And um, and if the, if the if these opportunities that you took had not kept you busy, Lord only knows what the outcome would have been. Amen. I say every minute spent in that club was a minute I wasn't out making a poor decision. I was getting uh, leadership from different people. I was I had my first job working at Bingo, took my first road trip to Mobile to play in a basketball tournament, attended my first concert, Beach Boys of the Mississippi Gulf Coast Coliseum. So many firsts for me there, and all that time was things I wouldn't have been able to do because my mom couldn't afford it, number one. And then number two was just time I wasn't spent, again, making bad decisions. Listen, we're having a conversation with Representative Kevin Felcher and District Attorney Crosby Parker. And when we come back, we're going to talk very specifically about a really important gala that's coming up on August the 4th for the Boys and Girls Club. I can't tell you how important this is to them and to this community. We'll see you after this break. Subscribe for free to the Ricky Matthew Show podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Reminding you why we all love living in coastal Mississippi. It's the Ricky Matthew Show on Super Talk 103.1. 
Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show. I have my friend uh, Crosby Parker. He's the district attorney for Harrison, Hancock, and Stone County, and then Representative Kevin Felcher from Biloxi, who really, the, we're here to talk uh, about Kevin's life outside of his role as a representative, specifically the enormous amount of energy he puts into the community. And we spent, actually, had a show with Kevin where we went into in great detail about the work that he's done and how he's been recognized for it. So we appreciate your commitment, Kevin. You're a wonderful example for for others to follow when it comes to the community. Um, so, yeah, you're welcome. So, uh, so uh, Crosby, coming back to you, you, you think about the Boys and Girls Club, the Center for Nonviolence. You pointed out that on this show we celebrate nonprofits regularly, that one of the reasons why this community, the set of communities that make up coastal Mississippi is so strong and so resilient is that, number one, we have a heart and soul second to none. When, it, when the going gets tough, we come together. And the other is that we have a nonprofit community that is incredible, and they're full of volunteers and employees that are really focused on filling gaps in the community. And uh, you know, some organizations may fill the same gap, but there ain't enough gap filling that we can do. I mean, the, the reality is there's plenty of needs to go around. So I don't see any nonprofit ever being competitive with the other. They're all working to uh, to satisfy needs. But specifically as it relates to the Boys and Girls Club, which we keep coming back to in this conversation because there's an important fundraiser coming up, gala coming up on August the 4th. Crosby, give me some sense of what why this is important and what it's all about. Well, and as you can imagine, I get a lot of questions when it comes to youth violence, asking what can we do to help? What can we do to support? And I'm very clear because our teachers are doing the best they can. Our police are doing the best they can. The Boys and Girls Club steps in and fills that role. It steps in there and gives these children, our most at risk to be youthful offenders, somewhere to go, something to do, and the mentorship that we need. Because right now, I'm really focused on that 8 to 12-year-old age, because that's a chance where if we can get them pointed in the right direction, it's not only going to change their trajectory, but possible that their generations after them are going to be different. And you said something early on, you know, we, it's not going to be Pollyanna. We're not going to get 100%. But just from a statistical point, the Boys and Girls Club, if we can help 8 to 15 to 20%, that's going to change a lot of lives. It is going to change a lot of lives. And um, so this event on August the 4th is critical to that effort, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I, I tell people, you want to help? This is an opportunity to sponsor a child. And this is a child that's right here in your own backyard. And you're gonna be able to sponsor them so that they have something to do after school. On the weekends, they're gonna have access to mentors. It, it really is a big deal in a way that we can change some of the trends that we're seeing now. So it's coming up on August the 4th. It's a reception at 6.30. The event will start at 7. It's at the Oro O'Keefe Museum of Art. And, um, of course, that's in Biloxi on the beach. And tickets are $100. And, man, they need as many people and as many sponsors as, as they can get to, to participate. Kevin, what would you add to the conversation? I just, I, I just have a saying, you know, you can invest on the front end and and. 
with our youth and, and get the, the product of that, or you can invest on the back end. And the back end is not pretty because you go from a, a child whose life is wrecked, their parents' life are wrecked, and then the, the crime that they end up committing, and then they're incarcerated, and now they're a ward of the state, and they're not a productive citizen uh, playing a positive role in society and paying taxes and all the things we need to do to keep a, a good community going. I say, if you want to make a difference, this is a way to do it. You can invest in this investment you make will be impactful and transformational. You know, well, I was going to say, you know, we talk about in the Gulf Coast Restoration Fund, we want to be impactful and transformational. This is human, impactful and transformational. You can make a difference right here for an entire lifetime for a child. Yeah, I, I can't agree more. Um, you know, there, every nonprofit organization on the coast has their form of, of fundraising. It comes in various forms, and some have had huge, uh, huge contributors. Some, some they make it through a series of, of fundraising events and smaller contributions. But I can't tell you how important this particular. It's called the Great Futures Gala on August the fourth. Uh, do a search about it, Great Futures Gala, and I think you will. Uh, you'll be glad you did, and you know it's not—it's not surprising, Crosby, that you—you you decided to to get involved because you see how the dots connect between the work that you do and your daily job, and how, as Kevin pointed out, which I think is a great way to say it, we can do the work on the front end and avoid a lot of the work that you're having to do. You see the connection between those, don't you? Oh, absolutely. When Kevin said it, it just hits home to me because. This is our chance is you've got to get this early on. You've got to put the, the effort into it. And I know we have a lot of great nonprofits, like you said, and they have their fundraisers. This is one where I'm telling you it's a chance to get and change a trend that we're seeing and getting with the Boys and Girls Club can do that. There is there is absolutely no doubt about that. Uh, I mean, excuse me, uh, Kyle, how are we doing on time, buddy? Four minutes, 58 seconds. Well, good, good. Hey, so Kevin, let's come back to you for just a second. Um, when you, How do you decide how are you going to get involved in the community? It's been actually natural for me. You know, I hate litter. So I was asked to and immediately agreed to serve on the Harrison County Beautification Commission. I'm Catholic. So when the bishop reached out and asked me to serve on the Catholic Charities Board, no brainer. Um, so uh, architectural commission for Biloxi. I love old Biloxi. I love Rue Magnolia. And so these things come natural to me. I like to serve and I even like better serving on things I, I really care about. And so the Boys and Girls Club, to your point, was a very natural fit for me. Well, and um, and what's interesting about the conversations that you and I have had in the past, when you get involved, you are all in. You don't just, you know, dabble. You decide that you're going to make a big difference. And um, have you ever done it any other way? I have not. I've always researched before I say yes to a board or a uh, commitment. I try to research what it's going to entail, what's expected, and to ensure that I can give 110%. And if I can't do that, I don't participate. 
Yeah, well, I, I, I appreciate that. So uh, we're going to we're ca- getting close to the end of this segment. I want to give you the details on on this Boys and Girls Club Great Futures Gala, and then we'll say goodbye to Kevin, and I'll ask uh, ask Crosby to come back, and uh, we'll close out the, the time together with Crosby. But it's a Great Futures Gala on August the fourth, and um, and I would uh, you know just do a search Great Futures Gala and Boys and Girls Club. You'll get all the information that you need. Um, tickets are a hundred dollars, but man. Man, it's an, even if you can't go buy a ticket, because this is an incredible need for the Boys and Girls Club to raise as much money as they possibly can. And uh, I really appreciate the two of you coming together for this for this purpose. And Kevin, your commitment to the community, Crosby, you lending your name and and your your passion to this important conversation. So we, as Kevin pointed out, we can get them on the front end. So thank you very much. I appreciate you joining us, Kevin. When we come back on the other side, we'll we'll be joined by uh, the. DA uh, Crosby Parker, and we'll close out the show. We'll see you after this. Thank you, Rick. Also, listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say, Alexa, open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show. I enjoyed the conversation with both Crosby Parker and Kevin Felcher as we talked about this important gala coming up on August the 4th for the Boys and Girls Club. But uh, I've asked uh, Crosby to hang around with me, and we're going we're gonna to close out the show together in this final segment. And uh, it's always good to catch up. We need to, He and I need to get together more often. But, you know, one of the things that I remember so well when you and I talked, about, talked before is that you're really focused on a victim-centered focus, and that your your team, you really are focused on keeping your team together. I mean, it's important to operate as a team. So this sort of team-operated approach that you have, and this and the focus that you have, as you pointed out on the show before, on passionate service, um, all of those things are important philosophies inside your department, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. I, th- I think we're very mission-driven here, and. I think you always need to evaluate your processes, always understand that you can learn and grow and change. But when you have continuity and people who have been there and they still have that passion, I think you have a recipe for success, especially when it comes to prosecution, because uh, you have to understand the criminal justice system. You have to understand the law and you have to understand people and a lot of our victims, this may be their only opportunity or an only chance that they've been in the criminal justice system. And we want to make sure that we're helping them from the very beginning when they're confused, they're scared, and they're hurt to the very end where they may be able to get some closure that can help that healing once the case is closed out. So it, it's, it's a very big deal. Well, listen, Crosby, as a as a as a district attorney who's had a lot of experience in this area, you understand 
that there is a tight connection between it. I, I think the way Kevin said that it's better to pay on the front end. So, you know, the opportunity to have these organizations that keep kids busy, et cetera, that's all important. But it's almost like this. We, we live in an ecosystem that is around crime. And, you know, you want to do as much proactive work as you possibly can. But when you have to be reactive, you have to be reactive. And that means that you've got to be willing to to come down hard when it when it when it when that's the the, the thing and you got to take always put victims first and you got to you got to be focused on child predators and violent crime and habitual offenders and all the things that you and I talk about but see that's what makes a community safe that's what you know the relationship that you have with these nonprofits the let relationship you have with uh, the law enforcement community you know it's all part of an ecosystem and i look at what's happening in other parts of the country where they sort of lost control of crime and they're they've gotten soft and they've just i don't even know how they define their safety ecosystem but it's got to baffle you uh, look, I, I, I like to pride myself on having compassion and empathy for all people, but our role is accountability. If a crime has been committed, there has to be accountability. If there's not accountability, then like you said, there's a concern for public safety. And that's why I can show a lot of compassion to do whatever we can on the front end. But when a crime has been committed, we have to take care of the victim and we got to hold the wrongdoer accountable. I look around the United States and it, it does baffle me. We take an oath as prosecutors to prosecute the law. We don't make the law. We have to prosecute it when it's been uh, a crime or uh, offender has taken place. But no, I, it does, it bothers me. And I constantly look at that to see, is it coming to Mississippi? And, and I'm proud to say I'm the president of the Mississippi Prosecutors Association this year and I think we do have good DAs in the state of Mississippi. Yeah, I think I feel that same thing, too, that there is a an appreciation, even in the moment, even in the moment a few years ago when we were there was this sort of anti law enforcement sentiment. It never really materialized here in Mississippi. And. You know, so let's speak specifically to coast of Mississippi. You know, there is a tremendous amount of respect for from from most communities for law enforcement and the role that they play, the, for the DA's office and the role that, that it plays, and um, you know, it's a again, it's an ecosystem. There, it takes it takes a village to make a community safe. Everyone's got their roles. Everyone has to play their roles, and there's a role for the legislature to keep sort of tweaking things and closing gaps and making things tougher or less tough depending on what the situation might be. But um, but it takes a lot of collaborating. Man, a massive amount of collaborating, and you know, you guys have done a good job at that. And it's something you got to wake up. You got to have a passion for it, or you are you can lose your passion. And the moment you lose your passion, you stop being effective. So, you know, that's that's the reason why you have to have leadership in your office, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And you mentioned something about our love for law enforcement down here because there was I was concerned, but anytime you go outside and you really talk with people, you still feel the love of law enforcement, community, military, those things. What concerns me is when the narrative gets put out there that we have all these good young individuals that would come into law enforcement and now they're scared of it. And I'm telling you that if you don't have law enforcement, it will be filled with something else and it won't be good. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I appreciate you and uh, 
the people who are shining the light on the good things that we have in our community. Yeah, listen, uh, I have uh, in my conversations with police chiefs, mm-hmm. I have uh, extensive discussions about the way the role of law enforcement has changed so dramatically. You almost have to be a sort of an amateur lawyer to be a good law enforcement. The, the days of you know giving them a good talking to, giving them a gun in a car and turning them loose, those days are over. And you know there there is a tremendous amount of work going on in the psychology of de-escalation and and how to do things legally, and um, you know, so many people are out to sort of disrupt their their work and disrupt their their world, and you know, not just anyone can be a, a patrolman anymore. Not not just anyone can work in law enforcement anymore. Anymore, and it makes it harder to recruit. It, it, and then then you add the negativity to it, and it makes it even worse. But let's just hope that on, on the coast, there's not a level of negativity that we're adding to it. That if anything, we're adding uh, an, uh, an air of, of an appreciation to it and that we are focused on celebrating them and and honoring them for the work that they do to keep us safe that they're part they're a critical part of this ecosystem and that it what by talking about it by sharing what you and I are talking about today maybe we encourage someone to put their name in a hat that otherwise might not have done it and they can be part of uh, you know these great teams that exist all along the coast and in the counties that make up coastal Mississippi Mississippi. We're, we're, we're lucky to have them, aren't we, my friend? Absolutely. And I, I'm proud to be a partner with them. And, like, and, and people always want to say they're constantly looking at their training. They're constantly trying to get better at what they do to change with what we see day in and day out. And like you said, a lot of times you got to get your reps and we got to make sure that we're giving the training that they need to be able to go out there in the community and do their job. Well, Crosby, it's been a pleasure to spend some time with you again. We'll get you back more regularly, but this has been uh, the DA for Harrison, Hancock and Stone Counties. And by the way, go do your search on Great Futures Gala, August the 4th for the Girls and Boys Club of the Gulf Coast. We really need every uh, investment we can get for the Boys and Girls Club. You understand why if you listen to this show. Anyway, have a great day, my friend. All right. Thank you, Ricky. I appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Have a, have a great day, and we will see you tomorrow. Follow Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.